At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Got tremendous podcast for you. In the second segment, we head out to the wonderful city of Chicago. That's where we find Danny Burke. Does absolutely terrific work over here at Beeson. Hosts the show Rush Hour, which you're able to hear every afternoon, Monday through Friday. And then on top of that, he does a tremendous job taking a look at the game of Major League Baseball. He does our Chicago CityCast as well. We've got a bunch of market-specific podcasts. You've seen Daniel Alvari on this podcast. He does a great job with the one for Los Angeles. Ryan Rothstein, he does one for Philadelphia. He's joined me before holding Kushner. He's holding it down with Denver. So you've got a lot of these different ones. Danny does one for Chicago. So I'm going to ask him about the Chicago team. See, shall we say, incompetence of the White Sox and their manager, Tony La Russa. We're going to be taking a look at if there's any ways to be able to bet on the Chicago Cubs as well as things are not necessarily going so great there. So we're going to have that chat with him and then anything that he likes for the board for Wednesday. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. And if you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind letters M. Amy does not matter, so as per usual, please send these in 
into the timeline any other way, it is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Didn't wind up getting in a whole heck of a lot of Twitter questions today. And do note that just like yesterday, I am hosting the look at for technically Wednesday morning, 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern time. That would be 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Tuesday bleeding into Wednesday out there on the West Coast. So I have to do this recap a little bit earlier. So not going to have much with regards to Dodgers versus Angels along with Royals versus Giants. But let's take a look back at everything that we did wind up seeing for Tuesday Major League Baseball. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. An underdog I liked for Tuesday was the Tampa Bay Rays being able to get a big plus price against the Yankees. But Garrett Cole was a shoving. 2-0 to the final as Cole. Seven punch outs over the course of six innings. From there you wind up having Wandy Peralta and Michael King give you a combined two scoreless innings and Clay Holmes. He now has a 0-30 ERA scoreless inning for him. Yankees go just 1-11 of 11 with Ben in scoring position, but Isaiah Canera-Falefa was able to lift the team to victory with his pair of hits as Roy Kluber, not a bad start, returned to New York where he was last season, hurt by a pair of errors. He gives up two runs, but they're all unearned over the course of six innings. Manuel Margot, along with Randy Arozarena, wound up having a pair of errors. From there, you do wind up having Kelvin Futcher, along with Luke Bart, both give you a scoreless inning, so... Tough one for the Rays. They wind up losing in what's really been an under-series between these two all season long, going back to what we wound up seeing at the Trop out there in the American League East. We wound up seeing a north of plus 180 underdog cashing in the Baltimore Orioles. 6-5 the finals. Yusei Kikuchi. Not been going great for him. He winds up giving up four walks, four runs in total over the course of four innings in well, the team is 1-4 and four in its last five starts, so if you're looking to be able to fade a guy on one of these contenders, Yusei Kikuchi has been that, and he wound up giving up a pair of homers as well, going deep for Baltimore. He wound up having Austin Desais kick in his fifth home run season, and Ryan Mountcastle is 10th from there. He did wind up having two runs in one and a third innings to give it up by Trevor Richards out of the bullpen. He's having a rough year before Trent Thornton holds it down, two and two-thirds innings. Scoreless Tim Meza was able to give a scoreless inning, and did have Matt Chapman go deep off of Jordan Lyles, his eighth home run season. Season for Lyles gives up four runs over the course of five and a third innings, including that home run. The Orioles have a top 10 bullpen in terms of ERA, though, and they came through here. Cienaldo Perez does wind up giving up a run in a third of an inning, but Ode Lopez, a five out save. He doesn't give up any runs, and Felix Batista, Dylan Tate, they combine to give you five outs of the bullpen as well. Wound up just seeing some harebrained action out there in Philadelphia. The Phillies wind up falling to the Miami Marlins by a count of 11 to 9, so their second loss in three games after they had that nine game win streak, but this is a game in which the Miami Marlins wound up getting up 4-0 on the first inning. The Philadelphia Phillies came back to lead by a count of 8-4 before they made like your buddy at the bar and could not wind up closing in the ninth inning, giving up a three spot in that ninth. As you wound up seeing for the Miami Marlins, Avicio Garcia along with Jesus Aguiar go deep off of Zach Eflin in the first inning. Aguiar is ninth, and Garcia winds up getting his fourth, and then Jacob Sellings will go deep off of Jersich Familia, the second home run the campaign, and Jess Chislam goes deep off of Sir Anthony Dominguez, his 13th home run season. All but one pitcher that wanted coming in for the Philadelphia Phillies, aside from really Andrew Bellotti, who wound up having to clean up the ninth inning. He had a scoreless inning, gave up at least one run. Eflin, he does complete six innings, giving up four runs. So after he gave up four in the first, he settled down from there. Patricic, Familia, Spanish for blown save, gives up three runs in a third of an inning. Sir Anthony Dominguez gives up a run in his two-thirds of an inning. Brad Ann, scoreless inning, but Corey Knable. Three unearned runs as Alec Bohm, shock, shock, surprise, surprise, he had an error, and JT Riumito. 
as well. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they put bat to ball on this one. Reese Hoskins, pair of bombs, 12th and 13th home runs of the season. He's heating up. He had six RBI and a loss, as for Miami. Trevor Rogers just has not been able to figure it out. Four runs given up in three and two-thirds innings, including one of those bombs. Other home run was given up by Stephen Okert. We got the win, by the way, giving up one run in an inning. Anthony Bass, Sanders Scott both give you a scoreless inning. Richard Blyer, five outs out of the bullpen, and Dylan Floro. He got two outs, and he gave up four runs. So we wound up seeing a very harebrained final out there. You wound up seeing the Chicago White Sox hold down the Detroit Tigers. What a shock. 5-1 to one the final. It's for the Detroit Tigers. They now have 31 home runs in 61 games thus far this season. As Drew Hutchinson got the start. Wasn't great. Wasn't bad. Gives up two runs in four innings. From there, a Tigers bullpen that was second in the big leagues in terms of ERA out of the bullpen. A little bit of a rough one. Willie Peralta gives up two runs in an inning. Tyler Alexander, fresh off the injured list, gives up one run in two innings before Will Vest, Gregory Soda. They both give you a scoreless saying We'll talk more about the White Sox in the next segment with our good friend Danny Burke, but he did wind up having Dylan Cease not to cease in this one. He does wind up giving up seven hits and five innings, but punches out eight. Jimmy Lambert from their pair of scoreless innings before Joe Kelly and Ronaldo Lopez wind up giving you a scoreless inning as for the Detroit Tigers of eight with men in scoring position, a.k.a. just another day at the ballpark for the Detroit Tigers. The Boston Red Sox wound up taking it to the Oakland A's by a count of 6-1 as Oakland. It is not going well for them right now. I do believe that they have lost 10 out of their last 11 games, and for Oakland, you would end up having a Steven Vogt home run be their lone run of the game. It's sort of the season that comes off of Nick Pavetta in the eighth as Nick Pavetta goes eight innings, gives up just its home run. Phillips Valdez winds up cleaning up the ninth inning. And for the Red Sox, pair of home runs, Rafael Devers, 15th of the campaign. And then you wind up having J.D. Martinez get his eighth as those both come off of the young starter. And Jared Koning, who in his second career start, got rudely greeted to the MLB as he gives up six runs in four innings. From there, Adam Aller, failed starter, comes in, gives you two scores settings out of the bullpen and Lou Trevino also put well to give you a scoreless setting but it continues to not go so great for the Oaklands. Did not wind up going well for the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates with regards to their doubleheader against the St. Louis Cardinals as the Pirates have now lost their 8th and ninth straight games all by multiple runs by the way. Game 1 went the way of the Cardinals by a count of 3-1 to one, as JT Brubaker wasn't terrible in this one gives up 3 runs only 2 of which was earned as you wound up having Diego Castillo have 3 errors in this game. That's not great, as Brubaker did wind up allowing a home run to Paul Goldschmidt, 14th home run of the season, and from there, he did wind up having Tyler Beatty give you two and two-thirds hang scoreless, and the lone run of the game came from a Yu Chang home run. I mean, that's a blue moon right there. That never happens. He got his first of the season off of Genesis Cabrera, who wound up giving up that one run in one and a third innings. Matthew Libertor spent up and down as a starter for the St. Louis Cardinals. Five scoreless. Drew Verhagen was able to give you scoreless inning along Giovanni Gagos, Ryan Helsley, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Miles Michaelis with two outs in the ninth inning. Wound up allowing a double as he was one out away from a no hitter. Pirates just get sacked in this one by kind of nine to one as for Pittsburgh, Bryce Wilson. They made him complete five innings as he allowed seven runs and all seven runs wanted coming in the first two innings as he gave up a trio of bombs. Going deep for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt. So he had a three home run day. His 15th and 16th of the campaign, Tommy Edmond, his seventh. From there for the Pittsburgh Pirates, David Benari, scoreless inning, Anthony Banda gives up two runs in an inning, and Heath Emery, a scoreless inning, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, absolutely nothing doing. They just get that loaded. The reason why they were able to score is because there was a pair of errors by the St. Louis Cardinals and Michaelis. He did wind up issuing a walk as well, but for Michaelis, unearned run in eight and two-thirds innings. He was absolutely tremendous before packing on, and he packs it in for the final out of the game for the Cardinals to be able to get it done out there. 
you wound up having the Atlanta Braves be able to extend their win streak to 13. They take down the Washington Nationals by kind of 10 to 4. For Atlanta, it was home run derby in this one. Marcelo Zuna's 12th home run season. Travis Arnaud's 8th home run season. Orlando Arcia's 2nd home run season. Dansby Swanson his 9th home run season. And then you wind up having Mr. Michael Harris the second get his 2nd home run of the season as for Washington. It was the debut of Jackson Tetrielten. It did not go well. He gave up seven runs in four innings, including three of those home runs. The other two were issued by one Andres Machado, giving up two runs in two innings. He wound up having Francisco Perez. When coming in for an inning, he gave up a run in. You wound up having two scoreless innings out of Reed Garrett. That's a very rare sight as well. And for the Atlanta Braves, it just turned into Max Free. Being able to eat innings wasn't necessarily on his A game. He gave up four runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, but there was such a big lead that and it allowed for a little bit of flexibility. Darren O'Day, he gets it out of the bullpen and Jackson Stevens polishes off the final three innings to be able to earn himself a save as he wound up doing that scoreless. You wound up seeing the Milwaukee Brewers not have a great day out there in New York as they get shut out by a count of 4-0. to zero. Figure that Chris Bassett was doing for a little bit of positive progression and this was his best start of the year. Eight scoreless innings for Smith. He polishes off the ninth and for the Milwaukee Brewers, now a bunch of has lost nine out of their last ten games. Nothing doing with regards to this offense as everyone that got an at-bat, one guy finished the game hitting above a 248, and that's Omar Narvaez, a part-time catcher. He wound up having Adrian Don't Call Me Doogie Howser. He gave up three runs in the first, and quite frankly, if he would have given up a one run, it would have been too many, as he allows four and four two-thirds innings. Brent Suter gives you four outs out of the bullpen, and Trevor Kelly, two scoreless innings for the Metropolitans. They go four of seven with Ben in scoring position as the Mets. 41-22, and 22, that is currently the top mark out there in the National League. A team that has been able to do a great job to the owner is the Houston Astros, as now this is a Houston Astros team that has played 19 overs, and I believe they're up to 43 unders. ZK Nation pick of the under comes through on the Astros. After being down 3-0, they put up a four spot in the eighth inning to be able to get it done by a count of 4-3 as Kyle Tucker wound up having the deciding shot in this one. 12th home run of the season. That winds up coming off of John King, who had himself a bad night. Dane Dunning. I mean, this guy has an ERA that's three points lower in the span of two years at home rather than on the road. Six scoreless innings. You wind up having a scoreless setting from Matt Bush from there, and Dennis Santana provides a pair of outs on the bullpen. Garrett Richards, scoreless setting for John King. He was not the king in this one. Four runs, three of which weren't, including that home run. I guess he was the king of blowing games, as Nate Lowe, he got low in this one. Eighth home run season. That comes off of one. Jose Arakiti gives up three runs over the course of six innings, but then from there, Astros, top bullpen out there in the big leagues, they get it done. Ryan Presley, Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu. They all come in. They'll give you a scoreless signing, all three of these guys. 270 ERAs or lower for the entirety of the season. So they are rocking and rolling out there. This game is just going final as I do this. The final score might wind up adjusting a little bit, but top of the ninth inning, Padres are up 12-5 to against the Chicago Cubs, and it's a Cubs bullpen that, after a relatively solid start to the year, we're going to talk about this with our good friend Danny Burke. It has went straight down the toilet bowl as I mean, you had Kyle Hendricks give up one run in five innings. That's not a bad start, especially with the wind blowing up. As of right now, the Cubs' bullpen, in as I'm seeing it, three and two-thirds innings has given up 11 runs. Michael Givens, four outs without getting it out. Scott Efres, two runs in a third of an inning. Chris Martin, three runs in two-thirds of an inning. You've had to come in and get Eric Stout for one and two-thirds innings. He has given up two runs as the Padres have had a few home runs in this one. Ode Alfaro is fourth, and Luke Voigt was able to get his seventh. And I mean, for Sean Manet, it gives 
gives up five runs over the course of four innings as Wilson Contreras, and he's providing everything that he can for the Cubs, his 11th and 12th of the campaign. From there, you've been able to have some good scoreless innings from Nabel Krizma, two scoreless out of him, and then you wind up having a little bit of a young gun for the San Diego Padres and Tyler come in for a pair of scoreless innings as well. So that's going well for them. As of right now, Guardians and Rockies is tied up 3-3. Three to three. I can tell you that Shane Bieber fever, he wound up giving up three runs and six and two-thirds innings. And for the Colorado Rockies, they wound up getting a pretty solid start out of Antonio Sensatello. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Charlie Blackman, his 10th home run season. And for Cleveland... Jose Ramirez just continues to lead the league in terms of RBI, 61 RBI. If you're looking for a little bit of a long shot in terms of American League MVP, if the Guardians can climb into that AL Central race, that is something that you do want to take a look at. With the Reds and the Arizona Diamondbacks, nobody scored in the first six innings of this one. Tyler Molly, six scoreless innings, and then you wind up having Zach Davies provide a clean sheet as well. So not able to give you a ton on that, but certainly both pitchers wound up coming out slinging it and Right now, Giants and Royals, Angels, and Dodgers, those are just getting going. But if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now and what we're all seeing, it's a little bit of a shift now to the over after it was just such an under season to begin the campaign. If you take a look overall, 447 unders, 422 overs for the season. That's now 51.4% to the under, so things have really ironed out. Underdogs are having a little bit of a rough go of it. They are 363 and 550 overall, but if you take a look at them on the run line, there have now been 149 instances in which an underdog has been able to cover the run line, losing by approximately one run against a favorite, and this really manifests itself with home favorites. Home favorites are 347 and 236 straight up, but if you look at the run line, they have been unable to cover 104 of those wins. So that's something that certainly does stand out. And if you're just taking a look at last 30 days in general of Major League Baseball, we've seen a little bit over a 52% clip to the over. Obviously, a couple games pending here on Tuesday, but 200 overs, 184 unders. And in this time span, underdogs hitting at just 38.8%, 155 and 244. So something certainly to watch. And a man that I always try to check out whenever humanly possible because he does a great job with the show Rush Hour on Visa. That'd be Danny Burke. Coming up next, we go out to Chicago. We're going to ask about the White Sox. We're going to be asking about the Cubs as well. Going to be taking a look at both of the central races, the American League and the National League, what he likes with regards to features in those markets as well. So so we're going to have a great chat with Danny next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now wherever you listen.
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic, every home run, every hit, every Every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now 
wherever you're listening. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back to the Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Neeson Family Podcast. Great to be joined by our guest as this man every Monday through Friday. He is hosting the show Rush Hour on Visa. He does that from the lovely city of Chicago. You're able to catch at 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. If you're out there in the Central Time Zone, if you're Pacific Time, that is 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific Time. And also, he does the Chicago City Cast, which I'm sure that we're doing for some great episodes talking about just the wonders that the Chicago Bears are going to be providing this season. And then if you're out there in the Chicagoland area as well, He's on 890 AM every Saturday, 7 to 9 PM Central Time, hosting the show Bet on Chicago. And you'll be able to follow Danny Burke on Twitter. That is that his name. Danny Burke and then the number five all together. And my friend, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Thanks for having me on, my man. It's been a uh, eventful baseball season thus far. The Chicago teams ain't uh, ain't doing too great. And uh, kind of like you teased about, uh, we may not have that much to look forward to with the Bears, but we're keeping our fingers crossed here in the Windy City. Well, you're going to have a lot to talk about, whether it's going to be to the positive or the negative. That is the question. And, well, quite frankly, I think it might be a little bit to the negative with the Bears. We could do an entire podcast on that. But with that said, let's take a look at the Chicago baseball teams because, well, It's not going great for the White Sox. It's just maddening with this team because you take a look at the bats that are out there. They should be higher than in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. They've had such demonstrative splits when it comes to when they wind up going up against righties and when they wind up going up against lefties. What do you really attribute this to? Because, I mean, there have been a few injuries, and it's just one of these cases in which every time they go up against a left-handed starter, they look like the 28 Yankees, and then when they wind up going up against any right-handed pitcher, they almost look closer to the Detroit Tigers than anything else. Yeah, it's it's really bad, Greg. And I took a bet on this White Sox team to win the division when they got down to minus 110. Because I still think they can figure it out. I still think they can take a hold of this division. It's going to be a long climb at this point. Not not anything that's impossible to do. Because I do think the remaining teams in the division will find a way to shoot themselves in their foot. I mean, Minnesota's got some good bats. Don't get me wrong. But as you alluded to, Greg, the issue, of course, with Chicago is that, well, they can only hit lefties. And the most recent lefties they've been going up against have been tremendous lefties. So then they've been failing to do it against them. But look, the injury bug has been terrible. 
to the White Sox last year and this year. It's really uncanny how they just keep suffering losses. I mean, Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson now. I mean, Lance Lynn finally came back, but then you're trading out and putting Grandal in the 10-day IL, and then you got Liam Hendricks being injured. It's just so many factors day after day. But again, even if they're healthy, Greg, this team to me is not a World Series contender because of the fact they cannot hit righties. You can't expect to just only dominate lefties and cruise through a postseason. They haven't done it the last two years. They're not going to do it this year. Let's see if they can even get on track to make the postseason. And again, I do think they will by winning the division, but there's no reason you should put any stock into this team long term, especially if LaRusa is still managing this team. If they really want to get a spark, if they really want to get a turnaround, you got to get rid of him. But what's so annoying looking at Reinsdorf owning the Sox and just, you know, they're very loyal. Like it's a good thing to some extent, but when you need some abrupt changes, they're not going to do it in season. That's what's really frustrating about it. I mean, maybe they will. And hopefully they do for the sake of their fan base, their team. They need to. I mean, LaRusa in the first place was a bad hire and I don't know what more evidence you need. He's mismanaging his lineups, his bullpen. He had that idiotic call to intentionally walk Trey Turner and then Max Muncy hits a home run. I mean, what more evidence do you need? That's something that can ignite a good change in this team offensively. The defense also has just been kind of an issue back and forth. So they need a hard reset. They need a new refresher. And hopefully by the time they get to the second half of their schedule, which is going to be the easiest by win percentage, Adam Burke had a great write-up about it at Beeson. Then the White Sox can start coming around. But until then, be careful backing this team. Yep, and right now with regards to the Chicago White Sox in terms of their odds to win the division at DraftKings, find them at plus 135, Guardians are plus 550, and the Twins are at even money as we do have Danny Burke joining me on the podcast. And I think that you said exactly what I'm looking at. The moment the Chicago White Sox would fire Tony La Russa, and I honestly just don't think it's going to happen because you mentioned it with the loyalty. Every single fan in that fan base wants Tony La Russa to fire. Maybe I'll find two people that randomly don't for some reason, but I mean, most of the fan base, most people out there in general, they think that Tony La Russa is just a garbage manager at this point, and they would be correct about that, but I just can't back the Chicago White Sox at this price until Tony Russo would get canned. I'm not sure about you, but even at a little bit of a plus price, with them entering into Tuesday six games back, I would honestly rather take the Guardians at plus 550 if I'm looking at a plus price rather than the White Sox just with the current makeup of this team and what we've seen out of Tony Russo offering potential walks in one-two counts. No, look, if anybody's saying that, there's not really that sound of an argument to go against them based on what you've seen. But again, I guess the thing you got to go back to is still temper kind of where your, I don't know, maybe assumptions or expectations are for a team like the Guardians. I mean, what they were coming into this year. And that doesn't mean it's going to, you know, translate automatically to what they're going to do this season. Maybe we should temper our hopes a little bit with the Guardians just because we got to remember what we thought of them coming into this season. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be correlated. I mean, we have seen poor teams before make the, I mean, take the Giants last year, for example, take the, what was it, the Nationals when they won the World Series and their bad start. And again, I'm not comparing the Guardians to them specifically, but I don't know if they'll be able to keep it up offensively. Their schedule probably will get a little bit tougher. Their pitching is great, both with their bullpen and starters. That's understood. But if the White Sox can get healthy, if they can at least manage against righties, again, that schedule will be more favorable. 
And I think it is going to come down to the White Sox or the Twins. But like I'm saying, I wouldn't be like, hey, don't do that. You're ridiculous for thinking that. No, it makes sense based on the price and what we've seen. But I'm still going to hold out on the Sox just for a little bit longer. And, well, we'll see what happens with Minnesota when we get into this backstretch. But I do think it'll end up coming down to the White Sox and the Twins. I think that that'll be interesting to take a look at as well because, I mean, this is just a division in general. The Royals and the Tigers, you can just eliminate them for the Tigers, unfortunately. Uh, there are five starters that began the year in the rotation. Four are injured, so, I mean, there's just not a lot you can do, especially when half the team is hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, so that has been an issue for them as we do have Danny Burke joining me on the podcast. And then when it comes to the other team out there in the Chicago, the Cubs, I don't think that there was any expectations of them winning the division. At this point, it's just being able to try to find some spots for them to be able to win games. But, I mean, as of right now, they don't even have a starter for Wednesday as we're doing this. I'm hearing it might be Caleb Killian. It might wind up being a bullpen game. And when it comes to this Cubs team, I do think that there might be a couple certain spots for them to be able to get a few plus prices, but I mean, even those have become murky because Keegan Thompson was relatively trustworthy his last two times out. That went terribly bad. And when it comes to the Chicago Cubs team, it's a little bit maddening with regards to the offense because guys get on base, but they just can't generate runs. After that, I guess maybe first month with the Cubs and then a spurt a couple of weeks ago, that has been that looming issue. And Keegan Thompson was a bright spot and very profitable when he started out 6-0, and but the numbers showed that the regression was imminent. I was actually at that game in the Bronx against the Yankees on Sunday where they just got dismantled, and I'm like, I had to do an obligatory bet on the Cubs because I'm rooting for my guys out there on vacation. So obviously I just threw like a little bit of couch money on it, but I'm, to my friends, I'm like, look guys, on this handicapping process that I do, I'm telling you, I would not back Thompson in this case if we weren't at the game because he is due to just get smacked, and then he obviously did against the Yankees, and I think he'll turn it around a little bit but right I mean that was the main guy you could trust on that team Greg from a pitching standpoint and now he's kind of gone in a sense as of this moment so the Cubs you know I try to tell people if you want to be serious about betting meaning on the Chicago City cast be objective and I know it stinks to fade your favorite team but if you want to take this seriously and if you want to make some money there are good opportunities to do that against a team you're very familiar with like you should know the spots that are favorable to the Cubs, if you're a fan, and the spots where you're like, let's be honest, they're not going to contend. And more often than not, it's going to fall into that category. And because of the lack of offense, yeah, you'll get some power here or there from guys going off in spurts. But collectively, this is not a powered offense. I mean, Morrell watching his streak was amazing. Contreras has been really solid. Wisdom will give you a random home run every now and then. And same with Schwindel. But aside from that, with Suzuki injured, you're not getting power. And that was always going to be the issue with this team. And same same with the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen I thought was going to be a cause for concern. But they started off well. Now they're looking like the bullpen I figured out or figured they would kind of tend to be. And now it's just all looking bad. And who knows if they're going to end up selling off Contreras because this team is not contending right now. They still will give you glimmers of hope here and there with some of their young guys and just some guys getting random spurts. But, man, uh, they need a complete overhaul. They need to invest. And it's just very frustrating from a fan standpoint. But, again, Greg, from that betting standpoint, you got to be fading the Cubs more often than not. Yep, I am right there with you. And right now, the biggest question I have with the Cubs is, can Patrick Wisdom wind up competing for the all-time strikeouts in a season record with the way that he's been going? He's striking out on over 40% of his at-bats. It's been maddening to take a look at. But with that said, when it comes to the NL Central as well, the Cubs are currently finding themselves at plus 13,000 at DraftKings. 
Even if you want to have $5 of fun money, I would encourage you to make a donation before giving it to the sports book on the Chicago Cubs. But with that said, when it comes to the National League Central, the Brewers are still finding themselves at minus 180. You know me, I'm a... I'm a guy that wanted being born and raised in the state of Wisconsin. I've got my concerns on the St. Louis Cardinals at plus 130. You were able to get a much, much better price. I mean, even as little as two weeks ago. But I take a look at the Cardinals, and I'm so highly impressed by this team. And I think that they're a little bit of a sleeper team out there in the National League. And right now, if I'm looking to bet on the Central, I'm looking to bet on the Cardinals, both on a game-to-game basis and also with regards to a futures perspective as well. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on the game-to-game basis, Greg. I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks, and I'm not rushing to do anything, but I was actually waiting to back your Brewers, but the only way I was going to do it is if the Cardinals got hot and the Brewers started slacking a little bit, which it's kind of getting to that point now, of course, but I would only get Milwaukee, I would only get down on Milwaukee if they ended up getting, you know, minus 120 or below, which we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. Last I checked, obviously, that wasn't the case, but... I think more so I would say, yeah, go ahead and do this versus that. And that would be backing the Cardinals as opposed to the team like the Guardians that we were just talking about. Because we know St. Louis has a stacked offense that could carry them very, very far. I'm still a tad bit bearish on their starting pitching, though. I mean, Wainwright, he'll give you some great outings, but at what point is he going to be able to keep it up? I just feel like being 40 years old, you got to expect him to have some regression. I We haven't seen it consistently, so, you know, props to him. But I'm not all in on this pitching for St. Louis. Their offense can carry them through spurts, so that's why I think they'll keep it close. But at the end of the day, I still like your Brewers because of how deep that pitching staff is and just because this team has been building up to just continuing to dominate the Central. So uh, I know their starting pitching hasn't lived up to the hype of last year, but that was you know kind of statistically impossible to expect. But I still think at the end of this year, because of the depth, I give the edge to your Brewers. But I'm waiting to see if we can get a solid price on them. Yep, I do think that... If you're looking at the Brewers with regards to odds to be able to win the division, got to get better than minus 180 just because Brandon Woodruff is a big question mark. We were talking with Matt Pauly, who does pre- and post-game work of the Milwaukee Brewers, and, and he was saying on the podcast yesterday that he's right now not having feeling in his fingers, and that's not too terrific, and Freddie Peralta <laughs> may not wind up coming back as a starter this year, so that's not necessarily too terrific, and it's a Brewers offense you can't necessarily bank on, so... I think that I'm right there with you. If you're going to be looking to back the Milwaukee Brewers, you're banking on their pitching, and you got to get a better number than minus 180, in my opinion, which we're seeing right now. But Danny, as we do have Danny Burke of the Chicago City Cast, along with the show Rush Hour, which you're able to hear on VEASAN every Monday through Friday, joining me right here on the podcast. Is there anything with regards to an individual game that you're going to be taking a look at for Wednesday, whether it be just a team that you want to see a little bit more out of in general, a pitcher that you want to see a little bit more out of, or a bet that you've been focusing on? I got to look a little bit deeper into these pitching matchups, Greg, but look, this matchup with the White Sox, because this team is still kind of on a downwind type of spiral here, it's not even a spiral, it's just who they are, you're getting a little bit of a better price than you should be in some of these spots against a Tigers team that has just been really, really bad. And I thought Detroit would be a value type of team that you could find in some spots. And they have been. I mean, mainly it was a series against Pittsburgh when I looked to bet them. But, you know, if you get the right pitching matchup for Chicago, you get a righty out there on the mound. The Tigers are really struggling against righties. And as for the Cubs, look, I mean, this Padres team is finally getting into the rhythm themselves. 
if you look at some kind of run line bet with the Padres, if you don't want to lay that much, if we're talking Chicago sports here, I think you look to back the White Sox in this in this current series. And then for the Cubs, again, it's just going to be a continuous type of fade because even when the wind is blowing out, Greg, you know, this team can't contribute themselves offensively. So that's another angle because the other night I bet the Padres in the first game of the series and the total went up to like nine and a half. And I'm like, why is that? The wind's not even blown out that much. And it opened at eight and a half. I was like, well, what are we doing here? And then it ended up four to one. I cashed the Padres, but I was like, why did everybody love the total going over? Because even if the wind is blown out, I don't think the Cubs are going to help you in that capacity, Greg. I mean, yeah, they could be liable in terms of their opponent crushing them, but I don't think the Cubs offense will help you get these totals over. So because of how inflated it gets sometimes at Wrigley, we'll have to see what the weather's shaping out like. But maybe take, an, take, take kind of a uh, approach at looking at some of these unders, assuming the Cubs bats are not going to be coming alive on that constant basis and you can get a better number than what it should be more often than not now the one thing that i will say about wednesday's game is that ryan weathers is going to be hitting the mound and i just took a look he's got a seven era at the triple a level this year it is not going well <laughs> for him at all so oh boy this could be one of those cases in which if you're looking for that get right spot because we remember the cubs putting up 21 against the pittsburgh pirates earlier this season, which just completely threw off all their offensive numbers. I always have to take that into account when it comes to the Cubs. I have to just pretty much throw that 21 spot that they want to putting up out the window. You might have another one that might be coming up, but man, that does absolutely amazing job over here at VSIN Monday through Friday doing rush hour. And then he's got the Chicago city cast, which thoughts and prayers to him with the way that the <laughs> Chicago sports scene has been this season. It is you, Danny. And I know that even though, Shall we say the Chicago sports teams have not necessarily been so terrific. Your content and being able to cover them has been terrific, and you do a great job Monday through Friday at the network. So let the good people at home know what's all going on with you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Well, hey, I appreciate the kind words, brother. But yeah, at Danny Burke 5, you can follow along on Twitter. I do the Chicago City Cast, which is a podcast, about four episodes a week, all things Chicago, of course. And then, you know, going with the national standpoint for the finals for both hockey and NBA. And then we're doing a lot more national, bringing on great guests with Rush Hour, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. So that's really, if you want to get all my bets uh, because I, I start adding a lot more throughout the day. Once we get to rush hour, the city cast is kind of like a nice preview. You get the fan perspective from me with uh, plenty of content to rant about, like they're saying, correct. <laughs> I always tweet out the links at Danny Burke five best spot to find it. And uh, hopefully we get you some winners along the way. Danny does an absolutely tremendous job with a little bit of everything. And I'm sure that the city cast, once we wind up seeing football season come around with the bears, I'm not going to say that he's going to be talking about a lot of winning teams with Chicago, but there's going to be great content. So that's what you were looking for right there. There could be good content with regards to winners, and then there could be good content with giving out fades as well. So it's all about beauty being in the eye of the beholder. And Danny, he does a great job when it comes to VEASAN's Rush Hour. Always great to get him on the podcast. Big thanks to Danny for joining me. And you're on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we coach them all. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always a pleasure to get Danny Burke on the show. He does a great job Monday through Friday over here at the network doing the show. Rush hour out there from the lovely city of Chicago and then he also does during the weekends a show bet on Chicago if you're out there in the great state of Illinois. And then on top of that, the Chicago CityCast, which you have to catch that wherever you get this podcast. Does a great job looking at the scene over there, and I'm sure that he's going to be pretty disappointed when it comes to football season with regards to Chicago Bears. I say that as a Green Bay Packers fan personally, and I think even Bears fans would agree this might not be the world's greatest year for them, but hopefully we can see a little bit of an uptick with regards to their baseball teams. Always great to have him aboard, and always great to be able to get his insight. So big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis. And every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we... 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore D1. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. So, about if we wind up starting off with this first National League game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Miami Marlins on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. As you've got my man Pablo Lopez on the bump for the fish. And it is Kyle Gibson going for the Phillies. Phillies any between minus 125 and minus 135 favorites with the fish. You'll find them at a plus 115. 8-8.5 is your total. On the 8 over and under, both at minus 110 and on the 8. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. And I want to make in the Miami Marlins a favorite here. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 114 with them. So I'm going to be taking a shot there with Pablo Lopez. 230 ERA thus far this season. And guy's been just flat out masterful. The swing and miss stuff is there. Nine strikeouts per nine innings. A little bit over two walks per nine. Less than a home run per nine innings. And this is a guy that has been able to travel as well. He's, as a matter of fact, got a buck 73 road ERA compared to a 291 home ERA. So he has been absolutely superb when he's left Miami. Meanwhile, you take a look at Kyle Gibson and he's worked on the walks a little bit from last season. Sub three walks per nine innings. But with that said, he has been getting hit around quite a bit. Opponents are in red around 250 off of him. He doesn't have terrible swing of myself. It's not great. Right around 8 strikeouts per 9 innings. Right around 363 home area to a 570 road area. So he's been doing a little bit better at home. And you do take a look at this Miami Marlins lineup. And you've got guys who are able to get on base for this team. Garrett Cooper. Not necessarily hitting for a lot of power, but he's hitting above a 300. Aces Aguiar, Jazz Chislam, both of these guys in between about a 245 to a 250. You've got 12 home runs at Chislam. And then you've got Ore Soler providing 12 home runs. Now he, Aces Sanchez, Avicio Garcia, Miguel Roy, Jacob Stallings, all these guys in between about a 200 to 225, so they need to pick it up a little bit. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, you really don't have a lot of fear with regards to this lineup of them being able to produce. You've got Alec Bohm, JT Reed, Mito Nicasianos being pretty steady guys, hitting between about a 245 to a 255. Reese Hoskins has a double-digit amount of homers. He's starting to pick it up. Kyle Schwarber's not there with his average, but he's got 16 home runs. He's got a 330 on base. Bryce Harper is hitting for average and power, so you don't have any fears there. Both of these teams, though, they're between right around 18th and 22nd in terms of bullpen ERA. The Miami Marlins have really fallen off with regards to their bullpen ERA. You've got Anthony Bass doing a solid job, but Lewis Head wound up having a sub-120 ERA coming into the month of June. It is now north of a 7. I mean, that's not going great from Cole Souls retainer. Scott, they've not been great. Brad Hank, Craig, and Abel on the flip side for the Phillies have been solid, but Jersey Familia has been better recently, but got off to a really rough start to the season. It's hard to have a lot of faith in some of these guys, like in Nick Nelson. I'm pretty sure that he got rid of James Norwood and or sent him down to the minor leagues because he's not going to be available for this game, and rightfully so. But with that said, I think that Pablo Lopez, just a better starter here than Kyle Gibson. I do think that this is going to be a bit of a lower scoring game as well. I did wind up saying my total at a 7.7. I'm looking at the under, and I'm looking at the fish. 903-904 on the bank board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are in Cincinnati. They're under the road. Face-off gets the ears and the Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen is going to be going for the Snakes. And you've got Luis Cassio who's going to be on the bump for Cincinnati. The Red Legs are finding themselves as any between a plus 112 to a plus 125 underdog. Meanwhile, with the Snakes, it's anywhere between minus 122 and minus 147. Half to 8 is your total on the 7 half. 
half overs minus 120. The unders even on the 8. Unders anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. The overs anywhere between even and plus 105. And when it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm going to be willing to lay this number. I was willing to lay into the minus 140s with them. I was willing to lay up to a minus 147 with Zach Allen. He has been able to do a tremendous job. When it comes to the Arizona Diamondbacks team allowing two runs or fewer in all but two of his starts thus far this season. Now, his last start against the Philadelphia Phillies, he did by getting banged around, was unable to complete two innings. That was why the Philadelphia Phillies were just absolutely white hot, and he just has been pitching a little bit better at home than he has been on the road. 352 road ERA, 257 home ERA. He's only given up six home runs over the course of 58 innings. His walks per nine rate is really why he's been much more effective this year. A little bit above two walks per nine innings as opposed to 3.6 last season. And take a look at Luis Castillo. Ever since coming off the injured list, he's actually been really good on the road. This has been someone that throughout his career has always been better at home than on the road, but this year, 235 road ERA, 450 home ERA has allowed just three home runs in seven starts, 39 innings in total, with opponents saying at 211 off of him. Now, he's always had a little bit of a walks issue, right around three walks per nine innings, so that's pretty passable for his standards. You do take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks team, and it has been a team that's been able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball, as you've got Dalton Varsho along Paven Smith, David Peralta, all between eight and nine home runs. Varsho is hitting right around 250 for a team that, we're call it what it is, Diamondbacks, one of the worst teams in the big leagues in terms of batting average, but Ketel Marte, Josh Ross, in between the 272 and 275 along with Alec Thomas. These guys are starting to pick it up. Christian Walker is only hitting right around a 209, but he's been able to slog out 16 home runs. And then for the Reds, ever since coming off the COVID IL, Joey Votto has north of a 400 on base. You've got Mike Moussakis, who's been struggling because he's been injured all season, but they get back Jonathan India, and that is massive for this lineup. Before going on the injured list, he was hitting right around 300, one of the best rookies in all baseball last season. Brandon Drury, 12 bombs. He's hitting at 275 along with Kyle Tucker. And then for the Reds, it's just all about this bullpen being really bad. Tony Santee and Hunter Strickland, these guys have been awful. Alexis, he is starting to regress. And for the Diamondbacks, Joe Manana Tipley, one of the most underrated relievers in the big leagues. A 0-39 ERA thus far this season. Ian Kennedy has been able to hold down the fort. But you do have guys like... I'm looking at you, Caleb Smith. I'm looking at you, Mark Melanson, Noe Ramirez, who are posting up north of five ERAs, even though Sean Pop and Kyle Nelson have been solid. You've got your ups and your downs with regards to this. There's a Denimax bullpen, but that said, I do think that the Saints should be able to get it done. I expect a nice bounce back start here for Zach Allen, and I do think that Luis Casio also going to be able to provide a relatively solid start. He's been good since coming off the injured list. As a result, so my total is 7.6. Right now, available to me is all eight, so I'm going to be taking a look at an eight under if it were to be a seven half. When it's all said and done, I would be taking a look at a seven half over, but with that said, going to be on the six and an eight under personally. 905-906 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves they throw the facing off against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be going for the Nats, and Spencer Strider is on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta has found them Sells anywhere between minus 160 and minus 170 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Washington, it's anywhere between plus 145 and plus 158. 9-9.5 is your total on the 9. Over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And the under of 9.5, that is minus 115. And the over of 9.5, that is minus 105. And when it comes to Strider and company, I did wind up saying them as a pretty substantial favorite of minus 166. I'd be willing to lay the money line here, but I want to reduce the juice. Right now, I'm finding even money with regards to run line, I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 105, even up to a minus 107 in this spot. Typically, they go in five cent increments when it comes to run line, but being able to get an even money run line, that screams by name just because, for one, the Atlanta Braves are on the road, which makes it easier to be able to cover that run line when you do wind up getting those at bats in the ninth inning. And 
for T. Spencer Strider just isn't allowing a lot of her contact in general. Now, you've got to question how deep he's going to be able to go in this game. He has made three starts. He has not went past four and a third innings all but once, and that was against the Pittsburgh Pirates, in which he was able to exceed four and a third innings, so he's still being stretched out, but I mean, one home run given up in 38 and a third innings. Big thing with him has been the walks, four and a half walks per nine innings, but this guy's wipeout stuff. He's getting over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, so he's going up against this guy in Mr. Eric Fetty Wap, who's been worse at home than he has been on the road. 502 Mumire, 471 road ERA. He's given up five out of his seven home runs at home thus far this season. Opponents are at 270 off of him, and it's not even like he's got great command or anything like that. Right around 4.4 walks for nine innings, and he's looking to tame an Atlanta Braves lineup that has been just white hot now. They are dealing with the injury to Ozzy Albies that hurts them, but Ronald Acuna Jr. wound up having a multi-home run game a couple days ago. He has been absolutely incredible, and Dansby Swanson behind him. He's one of the top players in terms of war in all of baseball. He's been hitting right around 290. He has been terrific. Acuna Jr., 11 stolen bases with 124 at-bats. In terms of stolen base per at-bat, I think that he might actually lead the league at this point, hitting above a threat. They've got Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Travis Arnault, all these guys in between about a 250 to a 260, with Riley providing 16 home runs, Marcelo Zuna, double-digit amount of bombs, and for the Washington Nationals, I will say, this is not a bad lineup. Nelson Cruz, Yadiel Hernandez, Cesar Hernandez, Kibet Ruiz, Mikel Franco, all these guys hit between a 260 and a 270. Luis Garcia limited at-bats. He's hitting well above a 300. You've had Josh Pell hitting a 300 all season. And for Nelson Cruz, I mean, he's really been hitting above a 300 over the last three days. Lane Thomas has been able to pick it up as well after a really bad start to the season. He, over the last, I would say, 15 days, has been hitting above a 370. So he's been able to do a tremendous job there. But with the Washington Nationals, they're completely outgunned in terms of the bullpen. With the Atlanta Braves, even with having the injury to Tyler Matzik, AJ Minter has a one ERA. You've been able to get some good innings recently out of someone like a Darren O'Day. Jackson Stevens has been a good long guy. And then for the Nationals, they wound up having Erasmo Ramirez make an impromptu start a couple days ago. That wound up putting them by the eight ball. They've recalled Reed Garrett, who's rocking at 8.22 ERA thus far. Carl Woods Jr. has actually been one of their better relievers. That's not a good sign. Steve Ciszek has been all over the place. Kyle Finnegan has been inconsistent. So it is a really, really rough state of affairs, to say the least, for the Washington Nationals. So with regards to this total, I did wind up setting it quite a bit higher because I do think that Spencer Strider could have a tough time being able to lend too much length submitted at a 9.7. So I'm looking at this 9.5 over, even though the Braves, they don't have quite the same batting average on the road as they do at home but I do think that they're going to get enough runs to be able to cover this run line. I'm looking at the Atlanta Braves on the run line along this little over. We go to my DK Nation pick of 907-908 on the bang board. The Milwaukee Brewers hit the road face off against the New York Mets. David Peterson, great name, is going to be going for the Mets and Corbin Burns is going to be on the bump for the Milwaukee Brewers. I spared you the old English accent on this one. The Brewers, slight favorites. Anywhere between minus 113, minus 120. And then if you're looking at the Mets, it's anywhere between minus 105 and plus 105. 7.5 is your total. Under is minus 120 and the over is even. And DK Nation pick is on the Brew Crew. I was willing to lay up to a minus 143 with them. And you take a look at Corbin Burns. And what I think is so intriguing about him is that he's actually been substantially better the last two years on the road rather than at home. This year, he's got a 363 home ERA compared to a buck 42 road ERA. You might say it's a small sample size of 2022, but go back to 2021. Buck 94 road ERA, 285 home ERA. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous what this guy is doing away from Milwaukee this season. Opponents are a buck 88 off of him on the road, and you take a look at him home and road. He has been giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, but 
That actually decreases a lot. When he winds bidding the road, he's given up right around two walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that is still north of 11. This guy has been absolutely masterful. And then for David Peterson, he has been able to do a solid job given the circumstances. I will say that. He's got a 3-0 record, 3 ERA. He's just a guy that you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him night in and night out. He's been used in long relief. He's a guy that, as a starter, he's probably not going to give you too many more than five innings because he's just sort of been a super utility guy out of the bullpen slash as a spot starter for this team. So they're sort of using him in a wide variety of ways. Four and a half walks per nine innings. Strikeout stuff isn't bad, right? Around eight strikeouts per nine innings. You do take a look at him at home. He's actually been worse than on the road. 205 road area compared to a 450 home area, which I do find to be a little bit intriguing. And you go back to the 2021 campaign, he was actually very much better at home than he was on the road. So you haven't had a lot of consistency there. Now, with regards to consistency, you haven't had a lot with regards to this Brewers offense. But you do have a trio of guys, William Adams, Hunter Renfro, along with Roddy Tellez, that have all been able to give you double-digit amount of homers. And you do have quite a few guys hitting sort of in that neighborhood of, I would say, 235 to a 250. Tellez, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, you're able to throw in there Hunter Renfro. They're all towards that neighborhood, but the starting lineup that was shouted out there on Tuesday, only one guy hitting above 251. That would be Omar Nervaez, sort of a platoon catcher. And then for the New York Mets, You've got the team that right now leads the big leagues in terms of batting average. Pete Alonso, 18 home runs going into Tuesday, hitting at 285. This guy has been absolutely on fire. You've got Luis Galorme, Jeff McNeil hitting above a three. Brandon Nimmo has been solid at getting on base. Starling Marte, he's got great wheels. He's hitting at 280. With regards to the Mets, though, they might be a little bit outgunned in terms of the bullpen just because you do have Josh Hader, Devin Williams, that great eighth and ninth inning duo for the Milwaukee Brewers. And with Corbin Burns going, if he's able to give you seven solid innings, you don't need any other bullpen pitcher. That takes out of the fold some of these guys like Trevor Gott and company. So that is going to be able to help them out of them for the Mets. Got to figure that they're going to need to go a little bit deeper in the bullpen. And Seth Lugo just hasn't been too terrific this year. Right around a 350 ERA. Edwin Diaz as a closer has been terrific. Drew Smith has been able to give you some good innings. But Jason Shreve, Julie Rodriguez, you've got your question marks there. So I do have a lot of faith in Corbin Burns. Just the way that he's been pitching on the road in general. I think that he's going to be lights out, especially in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in City Field. Some of those home runs that might have been hit in Miller Park. I think City Field would be able to hold those. So the DK Nation pick going to be on the Brewers on the money line. I'm willing to lay up to about a minus 143 here with them. Also set my total at a 6.8. So here at the 7.5, looking under and the DK Nation pick on the crew. 909-910 on the betting board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals. They're going to be playing us the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ronce Contreras is going to be going for the Buccos. And Captain Jack Flaherty is going to be on the boat for St. Louis. St. Louis is finding themselves as a favorite anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165. Meanwhile, if you're to look at the Buccos, you're going to be finding them between plus 140 and plus 150, your total on this game, and between 8 and 8.5. And on the 8.5, under is minus 115, the over is minus 105. On the 8, the over is minus 115, and the under is minus 105. And I trust in Jack, Captain Jack Flaherty in this spot. I did wind up setting him as a favorite right around a minus 190 down. Going to be the first start in a very, very long time for Captain Jack Flaherty. And I know that with the St. Louis Cardinals in past years, they have sort of treated him with kid gloves when he has wound up coming back into the fold. So I don't expect him to wind up going very deep in this game. So you got to expect guys like Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley and company, they're all going to be on deck. They're all going to be trying to enter in this game. And what does wind up hurting the St. Louis Cardinals a little bit is that many of these guys were used yesterday because there was a double dip. If you take a look at Flaherty, he did wind up going down to the minor leagues for two rehab assignments. 
Gave up one run over the course of seven innings, so he didn't lend a lot of length. He did look very solid, but didn't lend a lot of length, so that is a little bit of an issue. And you take a look at Flaherty, he wound up making 17 total appearances last season. When he was out there, he was relatively solid. 322 ERA, a lot of people were saying that he was a candidate for regression, but throughout his career in general, has always been able to do a relatively solid job. And you do take a look at the flip side for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and well, if you're looking for a rehab assignment out there in the National League, the Pittsburgh Pirates are probably the best team that you're able to find to be able to get that. Cabrian Hayes has been able to do a very solid job of getting on base. He's hitting right around a 280, but I mean, right now, Brian Reynolds is the only guy that's got more than eight home runs on this team. He's been really picking it up recently. A guy that wound up hitting 300 last season, got off to a rough start to begin the season, but he's hitting right around a 350 over the last 15 days and over the last 30 days, hitting north of a 290, so give him some credit. He's been able to pick it up, and then Tucapito Mercano has been a young guy that has been able to hit right around a 300 for this team as well, but that lack of power is right now hurting them, and what else is hurting the Pirates is that they just haven't been able to get a lot of good starts in general. Going into Game 2 of their doubleheader, out of their 24 wins, 20 have come out of the bullpen. This despite the fact that their bullpen ERA is in the bottom 10 in the big leagues. David Bernard has been absolutely terrific. Sub-2 ERA for this team. Anthony Banda, though, I mean, he's got an ERA that's now north of 6. He's just been getting destroyed. Tyler Beatty got used as a long guy yesterday. He's actually been really able to come on for the team recently, I will say. Chris Strain, after he wound up having a very rough start to the season, other than the last appearance or two that he wound up making, it looked like he was starting to be able to find it a little bit more, but you've got a lot of question marks in terms of this bullpen, and when it comes to St. Louis Cardinals, not a lot of question marks when it comes to this lineup. Paul Goldschmidt hitting nearly at 340 with 14 home runs and over 50 RBI. This guy is to be towards the top three with regards to your MVP voting in the National League along with Mookie Betts and Pete Alonso. Brandon Donovan, he's hitting above a three or Tommy Edmond, Juan Yepes, you're able to throw in there even Nolan Gorman, all these young guys who have come up. They've been able to do a solid job of getting on base. Yep has hitting a 280, so that has been good for the team. And at Garrison Bader in his at bats, he's been able to do a solid job. 14 stolen bases as well, so he's been able to do a terrific job of being able to sort of move the needle. I have faith here that Jack Flaherty going to be able to lend a solid 4-5 to five inning started over to a bullpen that's pretty trustworthy. And then for Runcy Contreras, a young guy that I really do like, and I think that in a few years, he's going to be solid thus far in his four starts, three rehab appearances. Appearances. He has been able to do a nice job of be able to keep the ball in the yard, give it up right around three-ish walks per nine innings. His home runs per nine rate is hovering right around a one, but he did wind up getting exposed in his last start against the Atlanta Braves, giving up four runs in four and two-thirds innings. He's not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest defense, and I do think that this is a case in which it could wind up being a situation where the early appearances that he wanted making against lesser competition made him maybe look a little bit better than what he is. I think that he still needs a little bit more seizing at the major league level, and I do think that this might be a little bit of a rough going for, for him. So I did want to say my total at an 8.2. I am going to be taking a look personally at an 8 over because I think that the Pirates bullpen winds up giving up a bunch and I'm going to be taking a look at the St. Louis Cardinals on the run line which if you're looking at that run line you're able to get it right around a plus 110 to a plus 115. I'm pretty much willing to take even money or better in this spot with St. Louis. I'm looking to reduce the juice. I'm looking at the run line with Pittsburgh in a pretty bad slide right now to go along with this little over as we go to 9-11-9-12 on the betting board. And as the Slam Diego Padres and they're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing up against the Chicago Cubs. Ryan Weathers is going to be going for the Slam Diego Padres and for the Cubs. It is good old to be determined. I was thinking that it was going to be Caleb Killian, who's going to be getting the start for the Cubs, getting recalled from the minor leagues. You may recall that he was a part of the double dip that the Cubs wound up doing a week or two ago. It could wind up being a bullpen game as well. Assuming it's either Killian or a bullpen game, this would be a spot where I'd be setting the San Diego Padres as a very 
very slight favorite in this spot. I'm talking somewhere in the pocket of right around about a minus 108, minus 110-ish. I officially set it with Weathers versus Killian, a minus 107, and I want to make in that total to wear a 10 or less. I'd be taking a look at an over a 10.5 higher to the under. If it would be a bullpen game, I would stay relatively consistent with regards to that total. Now, if you wind up getting an actual trustworthy starter, like say they wind up having someone coming off the injured list, like, like Marcus Stroman, which Marcus Stroman is not going to be making this start, by the way, but I'm just throwing out there a hypothetical. That would certainly change things a little bit, but with Ryan Weathers, early on last season, he was able to do a solid job for the San Diego Padres, and he just wound up getting used very badly. Here at the minor league level for the Padres, it has not been going well for him. He does have a 7-ish ERA, 6 strikeouts per 9 innings, not necessarily a great strikeout guy, 4 walks per 9 innings. But with that said, it's hard to have a lot of faith here in a Chicago Cubs team that their bullpen has been absolutely terrible recently as their a team that has really been sliding with that regard. You've got Scott Efres, who has been giving you north of a 3 ERA. Now Rowan Wick, after a great start to the season, he has badly regressed. And you take a look at Caleb Killian at the minor league level right around a 251 ERA. Doing a good job of being able to get right around 9.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, but also at the minor leagues right around 3.5 walks per 9 innings. Wound up showing that in his first appearance at the big league level as well. I don't know if he's necessarily quite ready so I think that you will have a battle of two guys. They're not necessarily too, quite ready for the big leagues, and with the Padres, have a little bit more faith in their bullpen. Debell Christman is someone that you'd be able to use for multiple innings to be able to help out Ryan Weathers, and on top of that, you have been able to get a little bit more recently out of some of the back-end guys. Taylor Rogers has been one of the better closers out there in the big leagues, and for the San Diego Padres, you do have a guy, Manny Machado, who has been able to do an absolutely amazing job getting on base. Hitting right around at 320, he's got 10 home runs going into Tuesday. Jake Cronenworth, he has been able to give the team three home runs over the last 14 days. He's starting to pick it up a little bit. Jerickson Profar right around at 345 on base. Now, Awesome Kim, Trent Grisham, Luke Voigt, all these guys are hitting a 222 or lower. But Jose Azuka has been able to hit about a 250 for the team. And you take a look at the Cubs, and you've got guys that are getting on base. Wilson Contreras has been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. He's hitting right around at 275. His on base has been solid. Ian Happ has been able to give you right around a 370 on base. Rafael Ortega just below that. His power has been down, but he's been able to do a solid job of being able to put back to ball and be able to get on base. Christopher Morrell hitting a 275 towards the top along Nico Horner. So, I mean, it's been a case which Cubs have been able to do a good job of being able to get on. They just haven't had a lot of power outside of Contreras along Patrick Wisdom, who's got 12 home runs, but boy, this guy is right now on pace for a strikeouts record as well. So, this is a spot in which it looks like the wind is going to be blowing out much like it was supposed to yesterday. So, a 10 or less, I'd be looking at an over 10 and a half or higher to the under. I think that you're going to get a pair of bad starts here between what and Killian slash to be determined with regards to the Cubs. And if it is Killian slash bullpen game, setting the Padres right around about a minus 108, minus 107-ish favorite with that total, like I said, 10 or less to the over. As we go to 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board, got the Chicago White Sox hit the road to face off against the Detroit Tigers. Alex Fajardo is going to be going for the Tigers, and Vince Velasquez is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. This is a game that's currently off the board because they had no idea if it was actually going to be Mr. Velasquez, and rightfully so, because I would not want to start him, but that said, set the White Sox as a very slight favorite here at minus 112, and a total of 8.8, which means in half or less, I'm going to be taking a look at an over, and a 9 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. With Fiedo, he has been able to do a very solid job of being able to hold down the fort for this Detroit Tigers team. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here because he doesn't necessarily do anything flashy. 
He's getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. He's giving up a little bit under three walks per nine innings. He's giving up right around eight and a half hits per nine. But he's got a 292 ERA. And you take a look at Fiedo. He's made seven starts. He's given up two runs or fewer in every one of them. He's given up at least one in every one of them. He's just been about as steady as they come. And then you take a look at Vince Velasquez and he's anything but steady. You take a look at him and he's got a 675 road ERA this season. And that's pretty much on par with what he wound up doing last season. Overall in 35 and two-thirds innings, he's given up seven home runs, his walks per nine rate, and is right around three and a half. Now he is backed up by a bullpen that has been shaky to say the least. The White Sox, the right around 20th in terms of bullpen ERA. And if you're looking for a redeeming quality with the Detroit Tigers, they're in the top three in terms of bullpen ERA thus far this season. You've really had Alex Lang doing a solid job. Sub two ERA. Michael Fulmer is able to give you some good innings. Gregory Soto, Will Vest. These guys are solid though. Will you do have Gregory Soto, who is a left-hand pitcher and I mean, this is a White Sox team that they mash lefties, so it's good that Fado is a right-hander, and you do take a look at the Chicago White Sox lineup, and all of a sudden, they're starting to find a little bit more of something. Jose Abreu, over the last 30 days, has been hitting well above a 300 after a rough start to the season. He's picking it up. Andrew Vaughn is hitting a 290. Luis Robert, he's hitting right around at 280. Guys towards the bottom of the lineup, like Yoel Moncada, Lori Garcia, they do need to pick it up, but I mean, Reese McGuire, after he got off to a cataclysmically bad start to the season, he, over the last 30 days, has been hitting a 340 limited amount of at-bats, but he's starting to come around, and then for the Detroit Tigers, I mean, it's just ghastly bad right now. Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Javi Baez, Robbie Grossman, Spencer Torkelson, Cody Clements, you're able to throw in there, Eric Haas, all these guys entered into Tuesday, hitting a 205 or lower now. Harold Castro's hitting a 295, Miguel Cabrera, he's been hitting just below a 290 as well, but you don't have a single guy that's given you more than five home runs. As a matter of fact, for 60 games of the season for the Detroit Tigers, 31 home runs. So they're on pace for about 83, 84 bombs thus far this season. That just is not going to wind up cutting it. Vince Velasquez, not necessarily a trustworthy guy, but the bats of the Detroit Tigers, also not very trustworthy as a result. Did wind up saying my total at an 8.8. This is about as high as I've set a Tigers total all season because Vince Velasquez, not necessarily so terrific, so it ain't now for less. Looking at an overnight prior to the under. I do expect a little bit of regression here for Fiedo as well. So as a result, they wind up making the White Sox a minus-112 favorite as we do wind up going to 9.50, 9.16 on the bank board. The Houston Astros, they're going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Walker, Texas Rangers as Luis Garcia is going to be on the bump for the Astros. And for the Rangers, it is currently good old to be determined. I'm hearing through the grapevine that Tyson Miller is likely going to get a start for this team. And if it is Mr. Miller, against Luis Garcia. I'd be saying the Astros as a minus 161 favorite, and my total would be a 9.2, which means a 9 or less. I'd be looking at an over and a 9.5 or higher. I'd be taking a look at an under, and it'd be a spot in which I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 105 on the run line of the Houston Astros because you take a look at it, and I would honestly trust in a bullpen game a little bit more for the Texas Rangers because they got a top-down bullpen in terms of ERA. Brock Burke, Joe Barlow, both of these guys have sub-3 ERAs, and as a matter of fact, for Burke, it's actually approaching one. He has been absolutely absolutely superb for this team, and even someone like a Matt Moore has been able to do a solid job holding down the fort for this team. Dennis Santana, sub-2 ERA, and then for Tyson Miller, he's gotten a little bit of a cup of coffee at the big league level with the Chicago Cubs a few years ago, and then this year with the Texas Rangers. You take a look at what he's done at the minor league level. He's got a 5 ERA. He's given up a home run in half per nine innings, 12 punch outs per nine, but command is not necessarily there. Three and a half walks per nine innings. He's not necessarily giving you a lot of length, so you got to think that he's pretty much going to be an opener plus in this spot. And for Luis Garcia, last year had some very demonstrative home and road splits this year. But this year, they have been completely reversed. His last year, he was significantly better at home than he was on the road. You take a look here 
during the 2022 season. Overall, he's got a 360 ERA, the 3-5 record. I feel like is a little bit deceiving. He's given up sub-3 walks per 9 innings. Has really been hurt by the deep ball, but 225 road ERA. He's given up just 4 home runs and 32 innings on the road. He's given up 7 bombs and 28 innings at home with opponents overall hitting a 205 off of him. So, I do think that he's going to be able to land a relatively solid start. And when it comes to this Houston Astros team, he is still do have the Masters out there in this lineup as going into Tuesday, Jordan Alvarez 315 batting average with 17 home runs. He has been absolutely insane. Jose Altuve coupled with Michael Brantley. Both of these guys in between about a 275 to a 290. Jeremy Pena has been able to do a great job as well. He's been out of the full last few days and that has hurt him because you just take a look at the entire catcher spot. Both of these guys between Jason Castro along with Martin Maldonado. They have been dead bats. Alexis Diaz, Yoli Gurriel, Chaz McCormick, all these guys are a 230 or lower. Alex Bregman is also in that full but with Alex Bregman, he has been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base as he's been able to lend an on base percentage of right around a 330. So has been able to do a solid job there and then you do take a look at what you're able to get out of the Texas Rangers team, and it's been a little bit of a waste of money for these guys with Corey Seager along with Marcus Simeon. Now, Simeon has been able to give the team right around six home runs over the last 20 games or so, but he, along with Corey Seager, they're both hitting between about a 220 to a 230. The entire catcher spot, Samoff, coupled with Jonah Haim have been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base. Adelise Garcia has had a very good last few weeks in general. You take a look at him over the last 15 days. He's hitting a 321. He's been able to go deep five times over the last 30 days, hitting nearly a 300. So he's been able to pick it up a little bit for the team. But I do expect good pitching once again because this is a Houston Astros team that they are number one in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. You've had a few guys that are probably doing for regression. Rafael Montero, a sub-250 ERA. Ryan Sanic has an ERA that's hovering right around a one. Ryan Presley. He's been one of the more dominant closers out there in the big leagues. He wound up having that streak of something like 40 straight appearances where he didn't wind up giving up a run. Brian Abreu has been able to do a solid job. But with that said, if it is a bullpen game slash Mr. Tyson Miller against Lewis Garcia, I do think that you're going to see a little bit higher scoring game. I do think that the Rangers are going to start to pick it up a little bit with regards to their offense. So, nine or less will be looking at an over nine and a half higher to the under end with the Astros. Made the minus 161 on the money line, minus 106 laying a run and a half on the run line. 917-918 on the bang board. Got the Minnesota Twins. They are going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Seattle Mariners. As going for the Mariners, you've got one Marco Gonzalez. And you've got Sonny Gray, who's going to be on the bump for Minnesota. Minnesota finding themselves sticking up a little bit. They opened up at minus 125. Now you find them anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135. And the Mariners, they are right in between a plus 115 to a plus 120.7.5. 2-8 is your total on the 8. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And on the 7.5, the over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with the Twins, I did think that there was a little bit of value on them early on. You're finding them between a minus 120 to a minus 125. I think we went a little bit too far. If this continues to move the way that it is and Seattle's able to get up to a plus 120 or greater, going to be willing to take a shot on them. So as of current line movement, I'm going to be currently targeting the Seattle Mariners. So this could wind up coming back a little bit but with that said, you do take a look at the Seattle Mariners team, and they've been able to do such a better job of getting on base this season than last year. And Julio Rodriguez has been masterful for this team. 17 stolen bases. He's hitting a 260 overall for the season. And Eugenio Suarez, the only guy that's been able to give this team a double-digit amount of homers, he's hitting only about a 230, but 330 on base, even though this team doesn't hit a bunch of bombs. So they've got guys that have been able to get on base. J.P. Crawford is hitting right around 300. Jesse Winker has been a little bit of a bust for this team, but you've had... 
Tyler Trammell come up. He's been able to right around 250. Now, you do have a couple dead bets. Abraham Toro, he's been able to the Mendoza line of 200. Cal Raleigh, Dylan Moore, you need a little bit more out of these guys. And you do take a look at the Minnesota Twins of Byron Buxton. This guy is a man possessed. Going into yesterday, I think that he had seven home runs in his last nine games. You can tell that he was banged up in the month of May. He had a 12-game stretch in which he had three hits in total. Now he's fully healthy. Now he's firing out cylinders, getting a home run in every less than 10 at-bats. Carlos Correa is hitting a 300. Gio Urshel has been able to get on base for you. And Luis Arias, he just goes under the radar. I mean, this is a guy that he's got some righty-lefty splits, but I mean, still, he's hitting a 362 with over a 450 on base. That is just absolutely tremendous. And Gilberto Sassino, under the radar, hitting above a 300 as well. Now, with the Seattle Mariners, I do think that their bullpen is going to be looking a little bit better down the stretch. It's been a rough year for these guys. Andres Munoz, couple with Matthew Festa, Rayona Salas, Diego Casillo, all these guys. Posting up north of a Fort ERA, but Ben Murphy has been relatively solid. They get back Eric Swanson, Paul Seawalt. He's been able to do a relatively solid job for the team. And then you take a look at Marco Gonzalez. He's been a little bit of a victim of bad luck. 12 home runs given up in 62 innings. I do think that this is going to revert back to form. What is really a little bit more befuddling with him is he six walks that he wound up having in his last start against the Boston Red Sox. This is a guy that during that shortened 2020 season, he was giving up right around one walk per nine innings. He knew that that wasn't sustainable. I do think that he's going to hone it in a little bit with regards to his command. And it's actually been a little bit worse at home than he has been on the road 371 home ERA compared to a 354 road ERA, but then you take a look at the flip side for the Minnesota Twins, and Sonny Gray, he's just been a little bit banged up just throughout the entirety of his career. This is going to be the first time he's going to be pitching this month, so he is a little bit over two weeks in between starts, so gotta wonder how he's going to be able to come out in this one, and I mean, when he's been out there on the field, he's been solid, but I mean, on the road, even though it's a small sample size, 470 road ERA, you go back a little bit more to his 2021 season, he actually wound up pitching a little bit better on the road than at home as with Cincinnati, but it certainly is a case in which Sonny Gray, you just don't know what sort of length he's going to be able to end in. For the Minnesota Twins, it's been a little bit of an up and down bullpen as you've had Emilio Pagan wind up coming back into the fold for this team, and it's been a case in which he has been up and down to say the least, gives up the deep ball, but when he doesn't give up the deep ball, typically he is relatively rock solid. Yuan Duran has been able to throw 100 plus for the team all season long, but Danny Columbia has been dealing with some injuries. You've been without Ode Alcala for much of the season. Guys like Caleb Fielbar has not necessarily been too terrific, so I do think that the Minnesota Twins should be a favorite, but get up north of a plus 120, it's going to be a take for me on the Seattle Mariners, and when it comes to total, I did wind up saying it at an 8.7. I feel like Seattle is a ballpark that winds up playing much differently during the daytime than the nighttime. This is going to be a 110 p.m. local time first pitch, which means that ball's going to be flying a little bit more. Gonzalez does have its home run tendencies, so this is fine, which I'm going to be taking a look at and over on anything north of plus 120. Going to be a take for me on Seattle. 919, 920 on the bang board. You've got the Tampa Bay Rays in the red face off against the New York Yankees. One, Nestor Cortez is going to be going for the Yankees and Shane McClanahan. Going to be on the bump for Tampa Bay. 7.5 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The offer is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And on the Yankees, it's anywhere between minus 135 and minus 140 on the money line. Plus price on the Rays is anywhere between plus 120 and plus 128. And plus 128 is exactly what I need to take shot. And seeing a plus 130 is I wind up doing this as well. So, and a plus 130, willing to take a shot here on the Tampa Bay Rays with Shane Clan. And he has been able to just completely lock down teams all season long. And Nestor Cortez, I mean, to what he's been able to do all season long, other than that bad start they had against Minnesota Twins, this guy's been dynamic as well. I do fear that 
teams might wind up catching on to him a little bit. He's been using a lot of deception to be able to get by throughout the season. And he's got 10 strikeouts per nine innings, sub one home run per nine, and to the command of Nestor Cortez, sub two walks per nine innings. So he's been able to do a good job there. But Shane McClanahan, 72 and a third innings, 13 walks. That's more like 1.6 walks per nine innings. He's given up right around a home run per nine and Actually has a lower road area than a home area. Now, three starts on the road, so a relatively small sample size, but both 47 ERA compared to a two ERA at home. This guy has been completely dominant. And for Nestor Cortez, he's been able to do his best work at Yankee Stadium thus far this season as he's got a buck fifty home ERA himself. Opponents are getting just a 154 off of him. So two great pitchers are going to be going at it. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, power numbers have been down this year. You've had Mike Zanino not be able to live up to what he wound up doing last season. But you got to figure that he's going to wind up rating it in a little bit. It's just a case of which it's very top-heavy with the Tampa Bay Rays. They're bottom, I would say, six or nine hitters. Just on any given night, you're going to find all these guys hitting at 225 or lower. But Yandy Diaz has been able to give you right around a 265 batting average. He's solid at getting on base. Harold Ramirez, Van Walmart go. Both of these guys sitting between about a 295 to a 310. G-Man Choi, he's done a good job of being able to reach base. And you take a look at what Randy Rosarena has been able to do over the last 30 days. Power has not necessarily been there this season, but he's been hitting a 323 with nearly a 380 on base. And, and this is a raised bullpen that it's one of the best in the business, even with J.P. Fireisen on the injured list. You've got a guy that's offering a sub-1 ERA in Jason Adam. Colin Pooch has a sub-ERA. Jalen Beeks has been a good long guy. Matt Weisler has come in for good innings. And for the New York Yankees, they are currently a little bit depleted with regards to their bullpen. Jonathan Weiska just hasn't been right all season long. Currently, you're going to be without Aroldis Chapman and Chad Green. Well, he wound up having Tommy John surgery, but Michael King, along with Clark Schmidt, have a good long guys for this team. You've been able to get production all season long out of Clay Holmes. He's got a sub-050 ERA. For the New York Yankees, you certainly have the boom squad when it comes to this team. By that, I mean you've got Aaron Judge coupled with Anthony Rizzo combining for 39 home runs. To put this into perspective, going into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday, the Tigers as a collective had 31 home runs, so that's just very demonstrative. And then on top of that, Gleyber Torres and John Carlos Sand between 12 and 13 home runs with Torres. Now hitting above a 250, you've had DJ turning up LeMayu, Isaiah Canerfalefa in between about a 260 to a 270, so you've got good production when it comes to the Yankees lineup. Certainly a little bit more than the Rays, which is why I didn't mind saying the Yankees as a favorite, but getting a plus 130 here with Shane McClanahan that does wind up appealing to me. So this is a situation which I'm willing to take a look at and over. And I did wind up saying my total is 7.5, but seeing the minus 120 to minus 130 juice, I would rather take even money slash a plus price on the over of 7.5 rather than the under. So it's a little bit of a juice play when it comes to a 7.5 and when you typically wind up seeing like a minus 130 on the under. Got to figure that a couple sevens are going to wind up surfacing as well. So looking at an over on a plus money slash even money 7.5 slash a 7. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays. 921-922 on the bang board. You've got yourself the Baltimore Orioles on the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays as one Jose Barrios is going to be going for Toronto and you've got Bruce Zimmerman with two ends on the end of Zimmerman going for Baltimore. Baltimore find themselves a very hefty underdog. Anywhere between plus $2 and plus $2.40. Meanwhile, with Toronto, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus $2.40 and minus $2.70. So, quite a bit of variance there. 9.5 is your totally over and the under. It's anywhere between minus $1.05 and minus $1.15. And when it comes to Baltimore, was willing to take a shot on them as long as I was getting north of a plus $2.20. Here at a plus $2.40, I'm going to be willing to nibble. I mean, 
It's a case in which the Toronto Blue Jays certainly should be a relatively sizable favorite, but we've went a little bit too far here. Jose Barrios is not necessarily having himself a tremendous season. 5-2 record, but a little bit misleading. 473 ERA. He's been giving up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is not bad. He's actually giving up right around 2.3, 2.4 walks per nine innings. And to his credit, much better at home than on the road. 597 road ERA. Three home ERA, giving up seven out of his ten home runs on the road. But you do take a look at Bruce Zimmerman, and I do think that he's going to be able to do an okay job of being able to hold down the fort. He has had his struggles on the road, 689 road ERA, with 14 out of his 15 home runs coming on the road. Now, I do think that he's going to start to give up a few more home runs at home, but I also do think that there's going to be some positive progression for him on the road. He's been one of the more unlucky road pitchers thus far this season. Opponents starting at 336 off of him on the road. you got to figure that that's going to wind up going a little bit downward. He's been doing a good job with his command right around a walk and a half per nine innings, and even if Zimmerman does wind up getting destroyed, this is a Baltimore Orioles bullpen that it has been tremendous. Now, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of a rude awakening for this Baltimore Orioles bullpen as well because they've been pitching above their heads throughout much of the season. You've got CNO Perez along with Felix Batista throwing there Dylan Tate, Ore Lopez, all posting up a sub-2 ERA. Nick Vespi has yet to give up a run. I mean, that's just not sustainable, although I will say I really do like Dylan Tate along with Felix Batista, but I mean, they've been able to do a great job all season long. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, this has been a less than stellar bullpen. Julian Merriweather has himself right around a 5-plus ERA. Adam Simber has been able to do a solid job. And Yimi Garcia, after a rough start to the season, he and Tim Mesa have been able to do a solid job. Joe Romano, a little bit of a shaky closer, but he's still one of the better ones that you're going to find out there in the American League. But he also take a look at this Baltimore Orioles team, and got guys that are able to get on base for you. Trey Boomo, Mancini, Austin Hayes, these two guys have been able to provide at least a 285 batting average. Richie Martin has come back in the fold that he's actually looked halfway decent. Cedric Mullins needs to pick it up a little bit. He and Ryan McKenna in between about a 240 to a 250, but you've had someone like an Anthony Santander be able to give you a double-digit amount of formers. Ryan Mountcastle, he's up to 10 bombs. He wanted pinning one yesterday, so the guys are starting to come along for the ride, and for the Blue Jays, entering into what we wound up seeing on Tuesday, they had scored at least four runs in 13 out of their last 15 games. He asked Hernandez after he was dealing with some injuries at the beginning of the season. He's been hitting right around at 300 over the last 30 days. Remy Tapia is starting to pick it up. Lourdes Gurriel sitting at 280. Bobachette, double-digit amount of formers for he, George Springer, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Vlad is sitting right around at 260. Springer more around at 280. So these guys have been able to do a solid job there. And Alejandro Kirk, I mean, I think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here. It's got north of a 400 Remy's. 320 batting average, but that said, I do think that Baltimore is starting to be a little bit overpriced here. I mean, it's just one of those cases in which they should be a relatively sizable underdog, but plus 240 just seems a little bit demeaning. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. I did want to say my total at 9.3. I think that a 9.5 might be going just a little bit too far here because the Blue Jays, they have been so white hot with men in scoring position over the last few weeks. They were completely ice cold towards the beginning of the season. I think we're going to see a little bit of an evening out with regards to this, and I do think that that might wind up starting on Wednesday. So this is the spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at a 9.5 under, and with Baltimore, willing to take anything north of a plus 220 with them. 9.4 9.24 on the betting board. We've got the Boston Red Sox, and they're going to be playing against the Oakland A's. Betting board currently reads to be determined against to be determined, which is why this is a game that is presently off the board. If you take a look at places like ESPN, it's right now lining up James Caprillion for the Oakland A's and Rich Hill for the Boston Red Sox. 
If you do wind up getting Hill and Caprillion, wind up saying the Red Sox as a minus 191 favorite and a 9.5 or less, I'd be looking at an over on this total, a 10 or higher to the under end for the run line with Rich Hill versus James Caprillion. Pretty much anything of a minus 110 or better, I'd be willing to lay it with the Boston Red Sox laying around and a half with Rich Hill. Certainly has been a little bit of a rough go of it for him as he actually wound up having a tremendous like late April, early May. There was like a four-start streak in which he did not wind up allowing an earned run and he's actually been terrible at home as opposed to good on the road. 267 road ERA in seven starts, 804 home ERA in his four starts, but... Wound up posting up a 573 ERA in the month of May. Things wound up going not necessarily too terrific for him. You take a look at his last five starts. He has given up 15 runs, but that's that James Caprillion has just been a hot mess all season long. 0-3 record, 573 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate is not necessarily too terrific. It's hovering right around about a six half. He's been pitching a little bit better on the road, posting up right around a 435 road ERA, but it is a case in which he's giving up hard contact both at home and on the road. Nine home runs given up in 37 and two-thirds innings, so more than two home runs per nine innings, a little bit over three walks per nine in an Oakland A's bullpen that started out the year very solid. It has went straight down the toilet bowl with regards to this team, so that's not great. You've got yourself a guy in Danny Jimenez who had a sub-2 ERA for much of the season. Now that's north of four. Domingo Acevedo has been okay for this team. You still have Sam Ball and A.J. Puck We've been able to do a solid job, but also the big issue for the Oakland A's. Take a look at their starting lineup at night in and night out. You've got one guy hitting above 255 for the team. That's Christian Bethencourt. He's been able to do an okay job. And Ramon Laureano starting to pick it up as well. He began the year out of the fold for the team. He's hitting overall right around about a 245. You take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days. He's hitting nearly at 300. So he's been able to help out the team a little bit. But you do take a look at this Boston Red Sox team. And you've got the three matchers. Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez. All hitting above a 325. Devers, he's been able to go deep 14 times this season. Trevor Story is still only in at 220. Had a big series against the Seattle Mariners about a month ago, but that's all that he's really done for the team. But Christian Vasquez is hitting at 275. You've had Alex Verdugo hitting right around a 245 to a 250 as well. And for the Red Sox, the bullpen has really been able to pick it up as well. It's a bullpen that started out the year very shaky, especially when they wound up initially moving Garrett Whitlock into the starting rotation, but Taylor Danish has been able to give the team some solid innings. Tanner Oak has turned himself into a relatively respectable long guy as well. Anacazza Sadamoto has been they get back Ansel Robles, and you've had Austin Davis post up a sub-2 ERA. Ryan Brazier has been a hot mess, and I mean, Mr. Matt Barnes was not necessarily too terrific for this team this season. He's currently on the injured list, and honestly, probably a little bit of a good thing for this team. So I do think that Rich Hill, even though he's been a little bit more shaky recently, he's going to be able to come out against an Oakland A's lineup that has won the worst in the big leagues, lend himself a relatively solid start, and I think that Caprillion, uh, he's going to get destroyed in this one. So it's a spot in which a 9.5 or less, looking over 10 or higher to the under end with the Red Sox. Made them right around a minus 191 on the money line, want to lay up to a minus 110 on their run line. As we go to the interleague game, starting with 925-926, got the Kansas City Royals going on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants. It is going to be John Easley who's going to be going for the Royals. And right now the Giants, they look like they're going to be going with either some sort of a bullpen game or it's going to be Sean Hagelli. So this is a game that's off the board. I'm thinking that it's going to be Hagelli in sort of like maybe a starter plus role where he's going like four or so innings, something in that neighborhood. And if you do wind up having sort of a pseudo bullpen game slash 
in opener plus situation with the San Francisco Giants. I'm making them right around a minus 215 favorite, and this would be a spot with Mr. Ajeli slash a bullpen game of the Giants against the Royals. A nine and a half or less, I'd be looking at an over and higher to the under. This sounds like a very, very high total for San Francisco, and it is, but it's sort of warranted with the way that John Easley has been pitching and the way that the San Francisco Giants this season, they're averaging right around 5.1 runs per game at home. So they've been able to do a good job of being able to put back to ball. Jack Peterson, he's hitting right around 265. He's been able to lend a double-digit amount of formers for the team. Thario Estrada is hitting right around 275. This is a bunch that is really the best in the business when it comes to righty-lefty splits as well. Wilmer Flores has been able to do a solid job getting on base. Evan Lagoria has been banged up for much of the year. He's back at the fold. Actually gotten a little bit in recent games out of awesome wins at the catcher spot as well, being able to solve that riddle in. For the Royals, going into Tuesday, this was a bunch that had scored at least four runs in seven out of their last ten games. You've had Bobby Witt Jr. really be able to pick it up over the last three days. He wound up having, I believe, a six or seven game streak in which he had an RBI in every one of them. He's hitting now about a 245 after a brutal start to the season. Salvador Perez, ever since he wanted coming off the injured list, it has been a good run of things for him as well as he's only got nine home runs for the season, but he's really got three home runs in the last 15 days, hitting about a 250 in that time span. Been able to get a little bit more from guys like a Michael A. Taylor who's now hitting right around a 270. You've been able to have Kyle Isbell along with MJ Melendez in between a 255 to a 260. So things are turning up, but with the Royals, this has been a brutally bad bullpen as they're currently in the bottom five with the cards bullpen and ERA, despite the fact that Scott Barlow, Albert Ray have been solid, especially Barlow with his sub two ERA. Amir Gareth, though, has been lighting games on fire. Taylor Clark has north of a five ERA. Don Coleman right around a 370 ERA. Josh Jamout, you were just hoping for a little bit more out of him. Arodis Vizcaino. He's got a north of 6 ERA as well. And for the San Francisco Giants, not like this is a bullpen that's lighting the world on fire as well. After they were the only bullpen in the big leagues with a sub-3 ERA last season. They've currently got a team that is in the bottom 10 with regards to bullpen ERA. Now a lot of this has been due to injury. You've been dealing with a few guys being out of the fold. Jake McGee was the only some ailments. He's got north of a 5 ERA because he hasn't necessarily been right all season long. Now Dominique Leon, Jarlin Garcia, both of these guys both have a 250 ERA or lower John Brebby has been able to give you some good innings along with Camille Duvall. Felt like it just needed a little bit of time for them to transition away from not having Buster Posey. So it's a spot in which I did wind up saying the San Francisco Giants as a pretty sizable favorite, especially with Mr. Heasley giving up nearly six walks per nine innings. It just has not been going well for him. At the big league level, as his ERA, I just feel like is so misleading right now. You take a look at what John Heasley has been posting up and I mean, a 367, you take a look on the just outside of that, and you're like, hey, not a bad ERA, but you dive in a little bit further. He's given up five walks per nine innings, right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings, but he's also getting a little bit under seven strikeouts per nine as well. You just take a look at the numbers in general, and he's coming off a very good start against Baltimore Orioles. Allowed one it and no walks in seven innings, but prior to that, three plus walks in three out of his previous four starts with at least two walks in every one of them as well. I think that the Giants are going to get to him. I think that they're going to be able to hit him pretty hard. So this is an instance in which a 9.5 or less looking over 10 or higher to the under. And I did wind up setting the Giants minus 218 on the money line, minus 123 laying a run and a half on the run line, figuring that it's going to be a jelly slash a bullpen game against Heasley and the Royals. 927, 928 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians are on the road. They're facing off against the Colorado Rockies as Austin Gomber is going to be going for the Rockies and Connor Pilkington is going to be on the bump for Cleveland. Your total on this game is 11.5. The over is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Same goes for the under end with Cleveland. You're going to be finding them 
Anywhere between a minus 108 and seeing as good as a plus 101. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Colorado, find them as good as minus 102, as bad as minus 115. And when it comes to Cleveland, I did wind up saying them as a plus 131 underdog. I'm willing to buy into the Rockies. Just them being at home in general, I think is going to be very huge for them. As you got a pair of guys that I don't necessarily trust them for Pilkington. He wound up doing a little bit of a better job coming in in long relief rather than in his starts. You take a look at what he's been able to do as a starter. He has went five innings or fewer in three out of his four starts. He's given up a combined seven earned runs in his last three starts. And in those starts, he only wound up being able to fulfill a combined 14 innings. So that's a little bit of an issue. And the biggest thing for me, the walks. He has given up in his starts. I believe all 14 of his walks have come in the role as a starter. So it's not necessarily too terrific. Pilkington on the road has been giving up right around a 5-ish ERA. Now he has to go to Coors Field for the first time in France. And Gomber. it's been a no good, very bad, terrible season. 6-1-70 ERA. Home and road, he's posting up north of a 6 ERA. He's been giving up the deep ball a little bit more at home. But you take a look at what he wound up doing in 2021. And in a 209 home ERA and a 622 road ERA. Now, I feel like that was a little bit of an admiration. With that said, I don't think that he's as bad as he wound up showing this season. And the Colorado Rockies, they just hit one there at Coors Field. You've got so many guys like a CJ Crone, for example, sitting right around a 375 at home. He's been able to supply 10 of his 14 home runs at home thus far this season. Now, the Rockies have honestly not been too terrible with regards to batting average. When they've been on the road, it's just been a case of which they've just had so much power. When they've been at home going into Tuesday, you wound up having this team averaging 38 home runs in 32 games at home. On the road, it's pretty much the opposite. They've been averaging about a half a home run per game with 15 bombs in 29 contests. I mean, Brendan Rodgers has six home runs thus far at home this season. He's hitting a 295. When this guy hits the road, he can't hit the broad side of a bar, and it's been very interesting to be able to take a look at that as a team. The Rockies entered with a home batting average on Tuesday of a 275. And then for the Cleveland Guardians, this has been a bunch that's been able to do a good job of not striking out. Fewest strikeouts per game out there in the major leagues, and got a lot of guys that have been able to get on base in general. Josh Naylor, along with Owen Miller, Amit Rosario, all these guys in between about a 262 and 270. Oscar Gonzalez has been amazing for this team. He's hitting above a 375 ever since he wanted getting the call up. And then you've had Jose Ramirez right now leading the league in RBI. He's been able to slug out 16 home runs. He's hitting nearly a 290 for this bunch. And Andres Menes can't forget about him hitting a 300. Stephen Kwan's getting on base. But with that said, with the Colorado Rockies, I do think that they're going to get a little bit better start. And that's going to tax a Guardians bullpen that has been relatively solid. You've got a pair of guys in Eli Morgan along Sam Hentages that last season they were starters. They just wanted being failed starters going to the bullpen has been good for them. Brian Shaw spent a little bit of a hot mess this season. He's got right around a 375 ERA, but Nick Sandlin has been pretty steady Eddie. He's been able to give you right around 265 ERA. Emmanuel Classe, an amazing closer. And then for the Colorado Rockies, Daniel Bart at home. Last few seasons has been one of the best pitchers in Coors Field that you're going to find at being able to close out games. So he's been able to do a solid job there. Now, it's a Rockies team that they are dead last currently in terms of bullpen ERA, but do have a lot of guys that they just pitch so much better at home than they do on the road. Alex Colme, Lucas Gilbreth, they both have sub-225 home ERAs. Justin Lawrence, he's got a 4 ERA at home. When he winds up hitting the road, this winds up shooting up north of 9. So you can tell that he's just so much more trustworthy at home than he is on the road. I do think that the splits are very big. I honestly think that both of these starters are not going to lend very good starts. I think that the Rockies are going to be able to hit Connor Pilkington quite well. And I think that Pilkington giving up free passes are going to turn those solo shots into 2-3 to three run shots. So I want to say my total at 12.2. I'm looking over. I think that Gomber going to get back to the 
form a little bit closer to what we wound up finding last season. I don't think that it'll fully be able to get back to it, but I think that we'll see something in between last year and this year. So looking at the Rockies and looking at the over, we wrap things up with 929-930 on the bang board. The LA Dodgers, they are going to be playing us to the LA Angels. So the battle for LA features Reed Detmers for the Angels and Tyler Anderson for the Dodgers. The Dodgers and between minus 175 and minus 185 favorites, plus 155 to plus 170 is your price on the Angels. Nine is the total. Under has quite a bit of juice between minus 120, minus 130, over is anywhere between even and plus 110. And I do mind saying my total at an 8.6. So here at the nine, I'm looking at an under, but with that said, with the way that things are trending, I think that this would probably drop to an eight and a half. And if we do wind up getting like a minus 110, eight and a half, because that's the way that it's trending right now, I would be taking a look at the over. It's sort of like what we wound up seeing yesterday. Yesterday, this sort of wound up opening up nine, wound up moving to an eight and a half. So be cautious of that. With that said, you do have Tyler Anderson, who's been able to do a really good job with the LA Dodgers. He has been actually better on the road than at home, which I have no idea how, I have no idea why, but the Dodgers as a collective, their ERA is a full point better on the road than it is at home, but with Anderson, 7-0 record, he's given up right around 1.6 walks per 9 innings, his home runs per 9 rate is sub-1, he has been terrific, and then you take a look at Reed Detmers, you wind up having that no-hitter against the Tampa Bay Rays, but when this guy's been on the road, he has not been good. Four starts on the road, 619 ERA, even go back to last season, and last season, we will admit, it's a small sample size, but in three starts, he wound up giving up 10 runs in 10 and a third inning, so when he's been away from LA, it's been an issue, not a high swing and miss guy, able to get right around 6 strikeouts per 9 innings, his walks per 9 rate is 3, he's giving up right around 1.3 home runs per 9, and this is an LA Dodgers team that, even with having a few guys like Max Muncy, like Cody Bellinger, who's struggling once again this year, having their issues, you still have Mookie Betts at the top, hitting a 275, 16 home runs, one of your front runners for MVP, and then you got Trey Turner along with Freddie Freeman, both hitting above a 285 at the top. Will Smith is starting to find it a little bit more. He, Chris Taylor, both hitting between about a 245 to a 255, and Gavin Lux under the radar. Not a lot of power out of Gavin Lux, but young 24-year-old has really been able to put it together at the plate last 15 days, hitting a 378, last 30 days, hitting a 345, and then for the LA Angels, you get Taylor Ward back in the fold. That is big because he and Jared Walsh both have been able to combine for about 21 home runs, 10 bombs for Ward, 11 for Mr. Jared Walsh. Walsh is hitting about a 260, but Ward, prior to him going on the injured list, he had north of a 450 on base. Mike Trout, Shoya Otani, combined 29 home runs out of these guys. Trout has a little bit of a better on base. Otani, obviously, he's the two-way superstar, but, I mean, Otani, along Jared Walsh, Max Stassi, Brandon Marsh, all these guys are hitting right around at 246 to a 260. Bottom of the full, last two to three hitters for the Angels have really been a sore spot all season, but what is really a sore spot for the Angels, this bullpen is terrible. I mean, you just take a look at it. Ryan Tapera is north of a 4 ERA. You were expecting Rossio Iglesias to be that shutdown closer for this team. He has not been this season. Archie Bradley, he's posting up a north of 5 ERA. Aaron Loop, his ERA is right around a 450. I mean, Jose Quijada and Andrew Wants have become the best relievers for this team. That's not good. And for the LA Dodgers, the bigger name guys have not been trustworthy. Bruce Arter Gratterall along with Craig Kimbrell have been shaky all season long. It's been guys like Ann Evan Phillips, who has a 2-2 ERA. 
ERA. Yancy Almonte with a sub-2 ERA. They've really been coming through for this team. Danny Hudson has been relatively solid as well, but I do think that Tyler Anderson going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a rough go of it for Reed Detmers. I did wind up shaking down this total just a little bit because ball during the nighttime in Los Angeles just does not wind up carrying very far, so do wind up setting my total at 8.6. At the current 9, I'm looking under. I anticipate this going to 8.5, and at 8.5, and I'd be in on the overset my total at 8.6, and with the Dodgers, made them minus 206 on the money line. I was willing to lay a small price on the run line currently with regards to that run line. We're finding that right around a plus 110 in a lot of spots. I'm going to be willing to take that. Heck, I'd be willing to take even money as well. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 110 on that. So look at Dodgers for online and looking over. And that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Vison Family Podcast. Big thanks to Danny Burke of Bet on Chicago, the Chicago City Cast, along with Rush Hour here at Vison. He did an absolutely terrific job in that second segment. And if you do like returning from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you've got one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review, and I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago street course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo. Play.